This is the 10th example of the 99th episode. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. everybody to the 99th episode i realized uh we got a tagline now we're the we're the podcast where we both physically can accept the fact that we're getting older and need stuff like oatmeal in the morning but mentally we refuse to age yes mentally i think we seem to still be around 15 based <laughs> on the topics we're talking about yeah i mean sounds about right um i was right about that age uh is that right? maybe 16 15 i can't remember exactly uh let's see the year the year 2000 i believe is about where we're going to talk about so i was 17 that year actually so probably 16 when this game came out okay i was but, yeah i was in college in the year 2000 just starting at uc berkeley as 21 years old there you go i think you're yeah. my wife's age then but uh so tony hawk's pro skater one plus two just came out as a remaster uh just friday so when you're listening to this it'll be probably two or three weeks ago oh yeah it's it's gonna be far more than that <laughs> all right four <laughs> we or five weeks our... ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're we're pretty darn well ahead yeah we we got a lot of shows so another thing i'm going to mention on this podcast i'll tell everybody now this is why you should follow us on twitter because what i'm going to mention will probably not be available by the time you listen to it but if you would have followed me on Twitter, you would have known about it. I might as well just mention it. So right now on Comixology, you can get every comic that involves Black Panther for free. Like the single issues, you can't get trades or stuff like that. It's really funny. I saw somebody on Twitter share this news, which is good news. And then they said, but it's not the collections, just the single issues. So you got to put a little bit of work in. I was like so like it's a bunch of free comics if somebody gave you a box of like 250 free comics you wouldn't even care what the comics were you would just take them and then sort it out later right yeah for i for the most part i would say unless if they if they told me in general um this is you know uh, 300 copies of young blood well i mean it depends do you do you have a you know wood stove you need to fuel Um, oh there you go yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. you actually wouldn't use those for a wood stove because uh of the it's like the glossy paper so that would be chemically but yeah california just ruins my joke yeah exactly yeah you just go out and you know warm yourself up by the burning forest (sighs) there's no forest around there Um, it is like the weather app shows that it's 90 degrees right now outside <laughs> and uh dear listeners uh, the sun has not come up yet here <laughs> we're in the middle of a crazy heat wave it hit 115 yesterday it's been Do you... oh man go ahead it's, it's been what just uncomfortably hot and like it's so hot that the air conditioning has a hard time keeping up because it's it's so hot outside that the heat created by the air conditioner to make the cold inside like has nowhere to go off because it's like there, there's nowhere for the heat to dissipate to because there's just more heat <laughs> next. Well, there, to it. there's an obvious answer for that. You need uh, an AC unit for your AC unit, and uh. <laughs> you know, that way you can be happy too. <laughs> you know, I actually did think about that. <laughs> Got to cool it somehow. Well, I was thinking about, hmm, I wonder if there's some way we could use evaporative cooling to like cool the air coming into this thing. I don't know. My engineer's mind started to. 
to think, and then I realized the swamp cooler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My uh, my aunt and uncle live in California. They actually installed uh, a swamp cooler in their house because it's more cost efficient, mm-hmm. or so I vaguely recall. Um, yeah, there's a limit to how cold they can get, though. Just I would imagine thermodynamically. Um, it has the word swamp in the name. How good can it be? Come on. Yeah. You don't think swamp and think this is going to be a comfortable environment for me. Yeah. I uh, I once designed a big aircraft repair facility. I had to design all the heating and cooling for it. And we use swamp coolers there. And they they kind of reach a maximum low temperature of 75 to 80 degrees or something like that. So, Which is the high temperature for uh, Maine this week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good for you. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. We're going to head towards the ocean today to get away from all this madness. Good call. There definitely won't be a ton of people there. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because I think we were both quite excited about this and we both got it right when it came out, which I think is fairly unheard of for both of us. I almost never get a new game, period. And I very rarely, if ever, get a game the day it comes out. The last game I can distinctly remember getting the day it came out was, I think, Halo 2. Halo 2? Yep. But that was only on Xbox, Paul. That was when I had an Xbox. What? What's with this PlayStation superiority, Mr. Closet? I have an Xbox in my past. I, I, yeah, I have one X. I never had anything but the first Xbox. I switched okay. back to PlayStation and stuck with it. But now, so you want to talk about that? Let's go back a little further. So I grew up a Nintendo kid. My first system was the NES. Sure, mine too. And well, actually, my, we had an Atari as a <laughs> when I was young. Everybody had an Atari somewhere when they were young. Yeah. yeah so th- that was like we we I think it was like my uncles. Then then my parents bought it off of him at some point. But yeah, I mean, we had, like, an Atari at one point. I think we even had, like, an a television at one point. It was kind of the point with those, I think, where they, like, where literally people were, like, you could pick them up for nothing because they were moving on and nobody had, uh, you know, even the glimmer of the thought of, like, a retro game system mattering because it's more like, hey, look, game systems are new. This one's old and crappy now. Let's get this new one get rid of this old crappy one, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we, like, the first system that was mine was a Nintendo. And after that, I got, um, my parents actually asked me one Christmas, would I rather get a Super Nintendo with just the game it came with or a TurboGrafx-16 with a whole bunch of games because they could buy my Uncle Don's? Because uh, my Uncle Don, I believe, was looking to get a Super Nintendo. So I said, yes, I will like the system with lots of games. So I had a TurboGrafx-16, and I enjoyed that. I only vaguely remember some of the games with it, but like Bonk's Adventure was one, I think, that you know anybody who... Remember Turbo Graphics at all? Would remember Bonk, the the caveman with the giant head. Yeah, I, I'm, that's outside of my experience. There was also a game that um, was like a platformer. I don't remember the title of it at all. But the one thing that stands out to me is there were parts of the game where you would like go through something. Suddenly, the, you'd be like gravity would be reversed, so you'd be playing like upside down. That's um, cool. Yeah, so I mean, there were some fun games. It was fun, and then I got like you know. I think I got a Game Boy or something. I was never real into Game Boy. I was like, why do I want this, uh, you know, really crappy black and white graphics when I can play on my TV and play a better game? And then I actually sold all of those to get a Super Nintendo eventually. 
So I progressed to Super Nintendo. That was probably like my most formative system. And then when it came time that I was getting older and it was getting into the next generation of systems, I actually decided to get PlayStation. So I sold everything I had to be able to get a PlayStation. The first game I had was WCW versus the World. Uh, anybody who played that game, it was an old wrestling game, and as old wrestling games often were, was probably just really tedious. But it had like over a hundred characters, so I had the WCW uh, characters uh, that were you know in there by their proper names. But then it had all these other characters that were with fake names that were um, basically knockoffs of real wrestlers. Hmm. Okay. So that was kind of interesting. So if you knew like. You know, oh, look, this person's supposed to look like this other real wrestler, but they had, you know, fake names. And obviously the graphics weren't great, so it's not like, you know, it was like spot on rendition. But anyways, so I got the PlayStation. I literally remember feeling guilty that I didn't get a Nintendo 64. Like, I felt like I made the hugest mistake in the world. It had nothing to do with, like, enjoying playing the PlayStation or not. But just the the giving up that brand loyalty for the first time and Mm. getting away from Nintendo... When I had always had a Nintendo, I mean, by the time I got that, I probably had had a Nintendo for a decade, which was the majority of my life at that point. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, quick from there, PlayStation to Xbox. Then I had a PS2 for a little bit. I actually had a Nintendo 64 for a little bit when I had a PlayStation, but I never, I, it just wasn't the right time for me to really get into it. So like I played, I think GoldenEye was the main game I had it for, and I played the heck out of that, but like didn't play a whole lot of other games. Xbox, sold the Xbox, got a PS2 eventually. Um, I think I briefly had a PS3. Oh, no, no, I had a PS3. I briefly had a PS2. I had a PS3 for a while, then it died on me after I had my son. I gave up gaming for quite a while and got a PS4, and that's where I am. Okay. Mine is much more abbreviated. I had a Nintendo as a child, and when the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis came out, I just never got one i i don't i don't remember if i didn't want one or if my parents just couldn't afford it so i just never bothered to ask i feel like it was something along those lines and then i didn't have another game system until after i was done with college and i started my first real engineering job and i got my first real engineering job paycheck i went out and bought myself an xbox nice so Basically, I missed all of that Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, the first PlayStation, Sega Dreamcast, all that kind of, I don't know, it seems like middle era stuff to me because it was the middle of my experience that is missing. It's the hole in my donut, so to speak. And then I just stuck with Xbox. When 360 came out, I got that. And then when the Xbox One came out, I got that. And when the next Xbox comes out, I'll just get that. Because I'm just kind of... I'm on the Xbox train, and I see no reason to change because I'm used to it, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty (laughs) much it. Unless there's a game on the other system that you desperately want to play that sways you, like, why would you change systems? Like, I'm not going to change systems. I'm going to stick with PlayStation. And I know that the, well, for one, if there was a game I really wanted on Xbox, I probably would just never play it because I'm not going to, like, I'm certainly not going to buy a second system just to be able to play a game. I mean, we we do have a second system. We have a Switch, but that's different. Like, we have that as a, like, a family system to play with my son. My son actually really wants a Switch Lite for Christmas. 
but it's like, and then there's, you know, like the Nintendo exclusive games are different. Like they're very different gameplay, but like the thing is like one thing I like, um, is games like Madden, which I actually am uh, putting myself on a Madden hiatus because it tends to be when I have Madden, I just obsessively play Madden Ultimate Team and I don't get around to the other games I want to play. Hmm. So um, I Madden is one game. I actually bought Madden new last year, which is the first time I've ever done that. And I wanted to get in from the beginning of playing Madden Ultimate Team because it progresses with the football season. You get different opportunities and stuff. And it, it's fun. It's like, it's like uh, mixing ro- a role-playing game with a card game with... Um, playing you know madden football so interesting like just really interesting to me it's something i really enjoy but the problem is is i only play it when i have it so i actually ditched out on it way early this year i just went and traded it in because i was like i need this to not be a temptation and since then i've been able to focus a lot more on playing other games that i've gotten and you know i probably like this pro skater yeah exactly which is (laughs) I've gotten very few games brand new. And like I said, I think that's the, the first time since Halo 2 I actually went on... Well, I mean, I bought it digitally because I, I, I pre-ordered it on Amazon. And then on launch day, uh, yesterday, I was talking with a friend of mine who got it that was all excited. And, um, you know, he was like, we should play. And I was like, I don't know when I'm getting it. And I looked on Amazon. I still didn't have, a, like, a delivery order or, like, ship notification or anything. Oh, so, so you I, could just cancel... Yeah, I canceled it. Then I tried to order it on Target where I could pick it up the next day, and Target was sold out. So I just went and bought it digitally. I just said, screw it. I'm going to get it. So, uh, yeah, and I've uh, I've been playing it. I've completed all of the challenges on the first level of Tony Hawk 1. Cool. And I've done a little bit on the next two levels. And one of the things I forgot, which um, I know everybody, like, we're all texting each other and stuff saying, like, I suck at this game now. Yep. <laughs> We kind of forget that one of the aspects of the game is as you play, you actually get skill points and, and increase the skill of your skater. So by the time you're done playing it, your skater can, like, um, you know, like manual for a long, long time. Grind for days. Yeah. So that, I, I specifically remember you saying that. I used to be able to grind for days. I'm like, now I remember why we can't anymore. <laughs> we uh-huh. got we to gotta skill up our skaters here. But, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. How about you? Oh, yeah. I got it digitally. And what I like about the digital uh, method of delivery is it will download the game ahead of time, like when you buy it. Or I don't know if it's when you buy it. I bought it like the day before it was going to be released, so it just yeah. When you pre-order right it, yeah, you get that. So like I, I obviously bought it the day it released, so I there was no ahead of time. It started downloading when I bought it. But yeah, that is ni- a nice thing about digital is if you buy it ahead of time, you're all set to play when it's time to play it. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like, I think, I don't know where in the world they determine like midnight of release day, but I essentially got to start playing at six o'clock in the afternoon, the day before official release day. (laughs) So I got to skate a little bit more. Nice. And I, yeah, I, it's been one of those, I love it. And I'm also frustrated by it (laughs) types of uh, things. Because I used to be able to just rack up high scores so, so easily. And I have lost all of those skills. And I feel like I'm just frantically pressing buttons to try to do tricks now. It's like, grind, okay, try to do some sort of trick into another grind. And try to do something into another grind. And half the time I just end up bailing. And uh, that ends up... I just haven't gotten that muscle memory back, and I don't know if I ever will. 
You know, there's much different eye hand coordination at 40 than at 20. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I am just loving the game. I've gotten completely through the first two levels and I'm working on the third level, the mall of Tony Hawk pro skater one. I played that like one run of that right before we were recorded. I just have one more task to do on the mall. I have to get the, the six score. The, the highest possible like score challenge. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. That's the only one I haven't done. And I have like my run kind of planned out about how I want to achieve that high score. I just haven't nailed it yet. So. Yeah, and the mall's fun because it's like it's actually a straight run. Like you run to the end and then it actually kicks you back up to the top of the level again. Yes. Um, I, I didn't remember that at all. So that was uh, kind of interesting when I got down there. Yeah, the school, like, one of the things I was having trouble with, um, I played the school, like, I wasn't trying to complete everything, because I kind of found that some aspects were coming off a little difficult. Like, I couldn't find all the tables to grind. Um, I couldn't, like, a lot of things you have to find, like, I was having trouble finding all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, I'll explore kind of the, there's kind of the upper levels, like the rooftops and stuff in the school that you can explore. Um, but that's where, like, as I was playing, I was like, you know what? The reason this is so hard is, like, you got to keep leveling up your character. I remember what you're saying where, like, I used to be able to do crazy combos. Uh, I remember doing combos, like, for over 200,000 points for a single combo. Yeah. And now it's like I'm lucky if I could hit, like, 20,000 if I do something really good. Um, and it all comes down to just what I was saying, uh, building up the stat points of your skater so you can you know, manual longer, grind longer, um, skate faster, get more air, like all those different things. Like it's hard to even pull off a special trick. You have to get like perfect air on a, on a vert to pull off a special trick right now. Grind ones obviously are easier, but, uh, yeah, it's like, I think it's a little less muscle memory. There's definitely an aspect to that, but I think part of it is just like, we remember playing it when we were done playing it. 20 years ago mm-hmm. and now we're trying to play it from the beginning of the game and having that like memory of like why isn't this like it was when i stopped playing 20 years ago you know yeah w- one thing i think we should do as a point of order is take a step back and just explain so this is a remastered version of the original tony hawk pro skaters one and two for anybody out there who who doesn't know what we're talking about and they're like why, why the heck are they excited about 20 year old games <laughs> And it's because they're totally remastered for uh, the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So completely modern graphics and everything. Uh, But essentially just faithful reproductions of the original game. The levels are all the same. It is a total deja vu for me going back to these. Because every time I go to a new level, I, I feel like, Oh man, I totally remember this. <laughs> like, I don't remember it ahead of time, but once I'm doing it, like once I get to a new area, then I remember I totally remember this, <laughs> and that's been just a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that nail. Like, this is the best. Uh, I just totally remaster. lost the word. Not remaster, but the the, the best um, reminiscent experience ah, okay, I've had yeah. in in a in a video game. I mean, you could extend that to say other things like movies and stuff, but I just I don't think that really compares because you spend a lot more time with the video game than you do with a movie or anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is it the, the up to, like it it plays good, it looks good. Um, it didn't lose any of the heart or the feel of it. 
which I think oftentimes, like, when you improve things drastically over, especially over, like, that long of a time period, it's really easy to make a lot of, um, like, improvements on paper that in the end just, like, make it not feel the same and kind of, you know, can take away from that, that experience. But this is just, like, it just, it plays so good, you know, and... The, the music, like, uh, is great. They have so much of the, the music from the old game, but they also added in new stuff. So, like, the balance of, like, new stuff and old stuff, there's not a ton of new stuff in it, which it doesn't need. Like, too much new stuff would dilute that experience, like I was saying. Yeah. But it's enough new stuff to keep everything feeling fresh, too. Like, you're not just hearing the same thing over and over. Um, obviously, you are doing the same thing over and over because this game is totally based on repetition. But yeah. that's the game, you know? Well, yeah, I feel like the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater maybe had like 10 or 12 songs in it. Yeah, something probably. Like that. And I think that one thing they did, what it seems like, is that they combined the music from Tony Hawk 1 and 2 plus the new stuff into yeah. the mix so that you're not just limited to the soundtrack of Tony Hawk 1 when you're playing Tony Hawk 1 and the soundtrack of Tony Hawk 2 when you're playing Tony Hawk 2, there's basically one giant soundtrack for the entire remaster. So I feel like I rarely get repeat songs. It's 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 a long time before I get a repeat, but I remember it being a much shorter time between songs when I was playing the original. Yeah, it's kind of nice too because you could very easily skip tracks by put, uh, clicking the R3 button on the PS4 controller or uh-huh. what, whatever ungodly button on your heathen Xbox controller. But uh, yeah, so like you could skip tracks easily. So, you know, looking for a track, obviously there's a lot of songs, so clicking through could take a while. Um, the one thing is I just wish that uh, Superman would play like every other song. That That song like is ingrained with Tony Hawk to me, and I haven't actually heard it while playing yet. I've only like it's in the... One of the opening menus kicks to that song, so like mm-hmm. you get a little taste of it at least every time you turn it on. But yeah, I mean, Tony Hawk made me a fan of Goldfinger. I had the the demo. Okay. I don't know if you had this experience, but I had the demo for Tony Hawk One, and all I had was the warehouse level and the songs "Superman" by Goldfinger and "Jerry Was a Race Car Driver" by Primus. Oh, cool! <laughs> and I That's played awesome. that demo to death before I ever got the game. Like I played that, I played that demo like you would play a game. You know, like just play it for hours on end. Uh huh. So uh, like that definitely is a big part of my experience. And that's also something that nowadays like nobody would understand that the same way. Or even if you go back to older generations, like that generation, you know, older generations, you couldn't have a playable demo of a game. Period. Because like you're not going to get like an, a Super Nintendo cartridge that's a demo. Like no, that that, that yeah, wouldn't exist. Period. Sense. You know. Mm-hmm. But with uh, with the disc-driven uh, systems, you could get demo discs. There were magazines that, like, you got the magazine and a demo disc that would have demos of different games. And I loved those magazines because you could try out different games. And there were demos that I played over and over and over. Like, when I'm choosing to play a game, there were times I would choose to play a demo disc to play a demo for, you know, whatever my game playing time was at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays... You can find out so much about a game without playing it. You know, watch gameplay videos, hear people's reviews. Like, it's so easy to get content nowadays. And you can get demos for games, um, but it's not presented in the way that it used to be, where the demo is sort of, like, presented as its own package. You just you go onto your system, you go into the store, and you see if there's a playable demo for the game, and then you can download that and play it. Yeah. I think I've done that like once since I've had a PS4 and I think I like 
dabbled in playing it and didn't even really care and just deleted it. Yeah, sounds about right. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about your original experience playing this game. Because for me, I didn't get an Xbox until it had been out about for about two years. And so <clears throat> there was already a whole bunch of games out. And so I got Halo, obviously. And then I got Tony Hawk Pro Skater because it it seemed like it, w- it was one of those games that was already like, here's the Platinum Edition because over a billion copies have been sold or whatever. So I, I thought, well, it's got to be a popular game. And so I'll try it out, even though that's not typically the type of game that I would play because I always kind of felt like those simulation type of games. And that's what it seemed like, like a simulation where it's a, you're simulating riding a skateboard. It just I felt like ah, this isn't going to be that great. It, it wasn't traditionally the type of game that I like to play. I typically like to play role-playing games and action games so it's like role-play and uh, first-person shooters that was really kind of what I like to play for the most part so when I got it it was kind of a revelation in that wow a game of this style could be this good where all you're doing is riding a skateboard around and doing tricks and so it was a bit of a surprise and I think Tony Hawk 2 was already out by that time. So I think I blew through Tony Hawk 1 fairly quickly once I started to figure out some of the tricks to stringing tricks together to get high scores. And I could finally get out of the warehouse and into other levels. And so then I got Tony Hawk 2 and I think I got Tony Hawk 3 pretty quick soon after it was released. And I played all of them a ton. I, one thing I wanted to say was uh, this is a simulation of skateboarding like NBA Jam is a simulation of basketball. It, both of those game, the games, they're made, they're designed for the gameplay, and the the subject matter is just like the template or the, the like sort of like the skin around the gameplay. You know, it's like, I mean, they're very much designed to be fun games to play, not to be simulations. You know, I mean, anybody who played NBA Jam, like, that game was ridiculous, and it was super fun. And, like, I don't like playing basketball games now because they are too much simulation. And you know what? I don't want to control how I'm dribbling and, you know, like, I don't want to control all these different aspects. I want to run up, juke a guy, and shoot a basket. You know, it's like, that's that's certainly not what Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is. Like, you're not trying to control. Yeah, that's a good point. You know. So it's, you don't um, have to push, push a button to yeah, push. You don't have to push a to button push. to push off. You don't have to control your speed going into a trick. You don't. You don't have to control every little aspect. It's there's enough of it to make it complex enough that it's a challenge, but little enough that it's more about fun than about being able to control like every minutia. And that's what yeah. makes it so great. Um, so for me playing it, like I, I talked about the demo, I got that demo and I played it so much. I played it so much that uh, the first Tony Hawk game I had wasn't Tony Hawk 1. I got Tony Hawk 2 for my birthday when it was a new game. And I had been playing the Tony Hawk 1 demo since before Tony Hawk 1 came out. That's like That was my experience with like st- from the starting point. So that's what I'm saying. When I played that demo to death, like I'm not saying I played it until I could get the game. Like I played that demo for over a year or more. I don't know, like until Tony Hawk 2 came out. No, oh, cool. Uh huh. Wow. Tony Hawk Two came out. I got it for my birthday. Obviously loved it. 
Um, I had been playing the demo so long, so it's like I really knew how to play the game before I got like a full game. And it was so great that I got Tony Hawk 1 later to basically it's like more levels. You know, those games were so well designed that going from 1 to 2 and then going backwards wasn't like um, losing out on quality. Yeah, it just was expanding the levels I could play. That's what I kind of remember is that Tony Hawk 2 and, and even 3 wasn't really there wasn't really a lot of evolution of the actual gameplay from game to game. It was just more levels and they maybe got a, a little more interesting level design. Like I remember the levels in Tony Hawk 3 being a little more complex in the sense that there were a lot more different ways to go about navigating the levels, like multiple levels, like you could uh, grind up on um, electrical poles and or electrical lines and stuff like that. And the, there's like multiple dimensionality in terms of like above and below and stuff like that. That's mainly the difference I remember between the games. Yeah, and I, I didn't play from three on. Um, I played the first two, and I think by the time like I would have gotten around to three, I was kind of getting that age, like right around the end of high school, where I was much more focused on other things than playing video games. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I mean, that was the time. My video game playing around that time was probably playing Halo with friends. Uh, I didn't have an Xbox then, but um, my my cousin's friend did. And eventually my cousin got one. And uh, so it went from like us going over to Bob's house, my cousin friend, and like you know playing four player Halo and taking turns to uh, you know connecting them up with wires to play yep. across two Halos on two different TVs in the same house. Oh yeah, um, my probably my favorite video game experience of all time that I, I remember is. Well, uh, to set the scene, we did the same thing. In in the house I lived in, in college and after college, there were four of us living there, and we had a couple friends that were also just over all the time. So we very frequently had enough people for four-person Halo matches. And we would do that a lot. We would do two-on-two all the time. And then I found a guy I work with, he had the same thing. And he had his group of four people that he always played Halo with all the time. And so uh, there were a couple weekends where we would bring our TV, and this was back when it was still a big giant cathode ray tube television that weighed like 200 pounds uh, with us, plus my Xbox, and go over to his house. And we would set up the TVs in different rooms hardwire the xboxes together so we could play four on four halo and we had the this the awesome experience of you can see all of your team members on the screen because when you get really used to playing split screen halo you can just look at all the other screens and know exactly where the other people are yep but then we and so when you're playing two on two it's kind of weird because you can always see exactly where your opponents are but we had this just awesome experience of Neither team could see what the other team was doing, and we were in different rooms, so we could even really talk to each other without being overheard too much. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a fun experience. Yeah. So, so much fun. That's exactly it. Yeah, we we did that. Um, 
I think there was one time that they got together enough people and uh, we actually had four Xboxes going in my cousin's house. Uh, so we spread out the more like one was in the living room, one was in the kind of like dining area. So same basic room space, but like over in the other corner of the house, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and then there were two bedrooms, like one was set up in each bedroom. Um, and it was, I don't even remember if we had 16 people to play, but I think we, we did get up set up with, um, four TVs and then just, you know, divided the people who wanted to play up. Um, but that was a heck of a fun experience. And it's like, now you can play online and they're like, there's no point in me playing any kind of competitive game online unless it's just with a specific friend that I want to play with. Cause uh-huh. if I'm, if I'm thrown in with just the masses of players, I'm going to get smoked every time. I do not have the time and energy to develop the skill that people can do. Yeah. And, like, there, there is no real good balance with, you know, trying to go online and play. Like, you know, whatever kind of, you know, ranking or category system they have, I don't care. Like, I, I don't have the, the competitive skill to can, to compete, even with somebody that technically is in my, my same skill set. Like, anybody playing online is going to be better suited to it than I am. And it's just 0% enjoyable for me to do that. So for me, going back to those days where the only way you played with people was playing with people, you know, it wasn't just the competitive aspect of it, which is fun. And, um, I certainly love like competition and you can still find that online nowadays. Um, but it was the just the whole aesthetic of it, you know, like having to go through the work to set it. Like you had to work for it to play, you know? Yeah, you really had to like figure it out and really think about it. Yeah, I mean like lugging the TVs around, let alone, you know, let alone figuring out like what kind of cables do you need. And like, you know, I mean, nowadays you can get pretty much any kind of cable you need for practically nothing. And back then it's not like that stuff was cheap either, you know? Uh-huh. So just the, the, the whole, the effort put in, you know, Effort definitely does relate to reward. Like, if you don't have to put any effort in, you can have the same amazing experience, and it's very easy to not appreciate or enjoy it. Uh, But, yeah, so, I mean, like, that was just, like, a very special kind of experience that, you know, that'll never happen again. You know, that's just, it's done. It's it's bygone. Uh, But so, for me, by the time Tony Hawk 3 uh, was coming out, that's where I was. Like, I was more about, you know, doing things with friends like that. And, um, at some point I actually sold my PlayStation and I went for a while without having a video game system. I just, you know, it wasn't a priority. I sold the PlayStation kind of before I saw it being outdated, uh, to, to a friend and mm, just good timing. went without, you know? Uh, yeah. so I went without for a while, just played with friends or whatever. But what I, what I know of Tony Hawk from that point on is that, um, as the series went on, it got like the quality seemed to go downhill. The you know the fervor for it went downhill. My guess, just from what I know of it, is it's it was such a perfectly fun game to play that if you start messing with the mechanics, trying to add new things, you end up making it less fun of a game to play. You end up screwing it up. That's what I remember about Tony Hawk Four. Is I remember when it was coming out, I was like, oh boy, another Tony Hawk game. And then I started reading reviews about it and it said, oh, you, this they're doing something different. It's like open world and you can skate around and do different missions and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? No, this isn't what I want. What? Like, no, you're getting it all wrong. And I didn't even bother getting it. And I just stuck with one through three. Yeah. And it's, you know, like Madden, for example, as a game comes out every year and you get lots of people that are super excited for it to come out every year. And the reason Madden can do that is basically 
you're you're paying each year for Madden to get the teams to be how the teams are at the beginning of the season. So like you're kind of getting those updates. So it's like for me right now, this would be a good year to get Madden because I'm a 49ers fan. And you know what? George Kittle going to have a high rating and that'd make me happy because he's my favorite player. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a lot of players on the team are going to have a much higher rating based on their performance last season. They do some tweaks to the game modes and like all that kind of stuff is going to come with some people liking the tweaks, some people not liking the tweaks. Plus, nowadays, they can actually do updates like after the game's already released. So if they screw something up, they can fix it. But ultimately, like you're, you're paying for the same experience year after year after year, which is also why like I typically don't buy Madden brand new and I typically wouldn't buy it every year. Um, that's kind of like I mean, that that's what would have worked for Tony Hawk. But I don't think people would buy a new Tony Hawk every year just to get new level designs, you know? Yeah, I, I wonder if they were just seeing the writing on the wall of less and less people buying it every year because they're saying, ah, well, you know, this is just kind of more of the same. And I just don't need more levels. And this was before the time when downloadable content was yeah. really, like, a big thing. I think expansions still had to be sold as a separate standalone disc at this time if i remember right yeah and i i think expansions to anything had to have been scarce back then too like there weren't many things that would even try to do that because i know i never owned a game that had an expansion Mm -hmm. yeah and so now what would make sense is you release a tony hawk game and you just release new levels as downloadable content yeah and and so uh, but that paradigm didn't exist back then to do that uh, which is kind of a shame because this this is a perfect game for that sort of thing because kind of I, I feel like w- once I work through a level, I don't really have any need to go back to it. Like right now, I feel no need to go back to the warehouse and skate there again, which is the that's the warehouse is the the first level. And uh, a funny aside by that, I saw my one of my cousins, post something on Facebook and it was a screenshot of the warehouse level. And it said something like, if you don't know what this is, I feel sorry for your childhood. And it just made me weep inside because I was, I was done with college and out and and working my full-time career job by the time I was playing that and not a child anymore at all. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just a moment when I felt really, really old. That's kind of a funny point too. Like people so often equate an experience with just where it hits them at a certain point in time as like that being what it is, and everybody yeah. has like has a slightly different angle. Um, I mean, I was in my junior year of high school, I think, in the time we're talking about. So I, I mean, I, that certainly wasn't my childhood. My childhood was Super Nintendo. Like I played Nintendo and Super Nintendo. That was my childhood. Yeah. You, like now now you're seeing like you see the the memes out like which was your first system? Like at best my first system was the the earliest system they show in that picture now. And that used to not be the case. They used to show like Atari and some other older stuff like that and like NES would be like number 3 or 4 or 5. And yep. now NES is number 1. I'm like I'm getting in danger of getting bumped off this list now. Uh Well, I think that uh one thing that's interesting about video games in this way is I don't think that there are a lot of things that appeal to multiple age groups like that. Yeah. Like 
you know, when we were kids, there there was nobody who was 25 who was like, oh, I remember when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys came out when I was 25 and I started playing with them, right? <laughs> like, m- maybe there were some collectors or something, but not really. And same with Star Wars toys. Like, I've never met anybody who was like, oh, yeah, I was, I was 30 when Star Wars came out and I bought all the action figures. And so, like, those old vintage Kenner action figures are totally meaningful to me it's everybody is basically my age to my age plus 10 years or minus two years who played with those vintage kenner action star wars action figures and beyond that just nobody has any experience with them and i i think really the only things i can think of right now that multiple generations will interact with when it comes out is probably video games and maybe sports, you know? Yeah. And maybe movies to some degree. But even then it, it seems like it, when that happens, it's because a, uh, a, a movie is just kind of a, such a big cultural phenomenon that everybody kind of, kinds of sees it. And it becomes known by everybody, something like Back to the Future, where it seems like everybody's just generally aware of that movie, regardless of your age. Um, but beyond that, it seems like a lot of movies... For do you, do you remember your first time watching The Matrix? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that people that are like 10 years younger than us maybe don't as much because for them the matrix was just something that was always kind of out and always this older movie that always existed yeah and i think people 10 years older wouldn't have it wouldn't have hit them the same way either so like for me the matrix i mean it's actually exactly the same time frame we're talking about that was uh i remember buying that on vhs uh when it was a new movie uh you know i'd seen it in the theater i think and it was like that was the kind of movie that was like you know very exciting at that time. I was in in high school and like it just was um, like it hit me the right way. So like from kind of high schoolish age to you know younger adult age, like I think that was the age that that movie is gonna resonate with in some way that will stick with you. You know, mm-hmm. whereas like if I watched a movie like that at my age now. It, I mean, like, it might be an entertaining movie, but it's not going to stick with me at all the same way. I've seen stuff like it before. Um, you know, I've seen things that kind of challenge the concepts of reality plenty. So you have to be at the right age. for Kind of like everybody loves Monty Python and the Holy Grail at a certain age. And then uh-huh. as you get older, like, you might still fondly remember it. You might still enjoy watching it. But it's not the same as how obsessed you were when you were, like, from, like, 15 to 22 and yes. you watched it constantly, and you quoted it all the time, and you thought it was the the greatest, most brilliant thing ever. Now you're old enough that like you've seen enough other things, and you've also heard the same things being quoted so many times. You're like, um, all right, like I don't need to keep on like having that take up half of my brain like I did for five years when I was a uh, you know a young adult. Yes, uh, yeah, that's very very true. Yeah, I you know I think um, there are certain things that that can resonate with a lot of different generations. And there are like, there can be instances in other mediums, but I think that video games are the only thing that can really successfully do it because movies are going to appeal to different maturity. I mean, they might appeal across a wide variety, but they're only going to be very impactful to, to a certain maturity level. 
even if it's appealing outside of that. Like there aren't, there aren't going to be many movies that expand beyond that, you know, books, same thing, toys, like definitely like, uh, you only are going to play with the toy that's right for where you're at and others might enjoy it or might learn to enjoy it. Like my son, you, you mentioned back to the future. My son has back to the future toys. He has ghostbuster toys. He has, um, Oh crap. What's the other one that we just got him? There's another property like that. Um, Playmobil is making different toys for all these different things. So he has like three different one, oh, Scooby-Doo. That's the other one. So like those three different properties, he has toys of those. I've shown him, you know, the, I've shown him movies and cartoons and even comics and stuff like that that have kind of added to the flavor for him and got him more enthusiastic about them. But it's a total different engagement, you know? Like he's not going to be, you know, 20, 30 years old down the road in his life and be like, oh, yeah, when I saw you know, back to the future for the first time for him, it's just going to be in the mishmash of being a kid. Yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. I I remember, um, showing my nephews, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure several years ago. And they were like, Oh, that was a good movie. That was fine. But they probably don't really remember it much at all and didn't have much impact. But for me, it came in a time of my life where it became a hugely impactful movie. I watched it over and over and thought it was just hilarious. I loved it. Yeah. So let me give you a totally different example too. This is something that was on my mind a little bit to put on the, the back burner of like talking about today. And this goes to the, like you have to be there at the right time to really get an impact with something. So I'm a hip hop fan. Uh, and I, I started listening to hip hop when I started listening to, uh, indie underground hip hop in the early two thousands and that was kind of my biggest exposure for a long time was all these artists like um, you know, Sage Francis and Buck 65 and Atmosphere and Idea and Abilities. And um, you know, some of those guys have gone on to be, become better known, but none of them have become mainstream. Um, but then in getting into that, I started getting into or being exposed more to uh, you know old school hip hop, golden age hip hop early 90s hip-hop, like all this different stuff. I've never really been attracted to anything mainstream, but now I'm mm-hmm. kind of to the point where I've been exposed to enough that I'm like, okay, well, what else can I get exposed to? Like, I need something else, you know? Like, I've I've tried dabbling in some stuff that just wasn't the right time and whatever, and yesterday I decided to start listening to, uh, to Notorious B.I.G., and I started listening. Like, I mean, I've listened to Biggie some here and there, very little. Like, I can't say I've, like, been just bumping his albums at any point. But I've heard his songs. Uh, like, the song uh, Hypnotize, I think it was on, like, a 90s uh, hip-hop playlist I was playing. And I was like, this song's really good. But I love it when they call me Big Papa, starts playing at work. And I'm like, okay, this is different enough from what I'm used to hearing at work that it really caught my attention. And so I leave work yesterday, and I put that on, and I start listening to some other Biggie. And then I uh, I text a friend of mine back in California, uh, a rapper named Clean, and I say, hey, tell me about Biggie and Tupac. Like, what should I be listening to? What should I know? And so he starts telling me stuff. And, like, so Biggie only had two studio albums. Tupac had more. So he's, you know, kind of telling me, like, Biggie's a little easier to to explain the, the breadth of his career. Um, Tupac had a, a longer... Uh, career before he died. Um, plus, there, um, like he told me that uh, Tupac got robbed at the studio that Biggie was at, and you know, on the East Coast, and became paranoid after that. So that that is like where the 
the, the like right, yeah exactly and you mm-hmm. know stuff like that so there's all stuff I've, I've been kind of exposed to it for years and years it's like I've, i mean i've known who tupac and biggie are since i was you know at least in high school but i never really listened to them too much so you know i talked to to my buddy for a little direction I've tried to listen to them some before, and I know with Tupac, I started trying to listen to, uh, I think, All Eyes on Me, which is, like, his best known or, you know, most popular. It's, like, a a double album. And it just didn't resonate with me because, you know, like I said, I like the the indie stuff. Like, um, to give another example, Wu-Tang, I love 36 Chambers because it is a very creative, different, unique album. The rest of Wu Tang stuff, like there's some good stuff, but like none of it has the like the uniqueness of Thirty Six Chambers. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, trying to listen to the you know Tupac stuff when he was more popular, was more accepted, probably wasn't the right place for me to start. So last night I went back and started listening to Tupacalypse Now, and my friend had told me kind of like the different albums and kind of where Tupac was like that's when he was younger and angrier and so listen to that as like this probably is the right place for me to start and then progress to the other stuff so you see the growth and you see the change and um, you know where I, where I am as a music fan where it's like if I'm going to dig really into something like that like I need to see that stuff and not just be like oh that's a good song because that's what I'm looking for if I'm digging in deeper like there are plenty of songs that are oh that's a good song that are easy for easier for me to listen to uh, but as, much, as hard as I work on understanding Tupac and Biggie, as hard as I try to uh, to experience this, I can never understand what it was like to listen to them as they were coming out. And for people that did, that they resonated with, Tupac and Biggie are always going to mean more than they could ever mean to me. Yeah, as, okay. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's like that with anything else. Like, nobody can ever have the experience that I had playing Tony Hawk, except somebody who was there in the same situation that was, you know, playing that demo because they could not afford to just go out and buy a game that loved it so much that they played the demo for hours on end for like a year before they got a game for their birthday. You know, it's like you, you can't have that unless you have like all the right circumstances. So, you know, it's like people who didn't grow up playing Tony Hawk can get the, the remaster and play it and love it for sure. But like for you and me, like it's always going to have that like elite level of specialness to us, you know? Yeah. It, there's more to it than just the game. I think it, it a lot represents what our life was like while we were playing that game. And so it becomes not just a tool for reminiscing about the actual gameplay, but about reminiscing about life back then. And the weird thing about looking back at life is I feel like it always, it always seems like I I remember all the great stuff about playing that game. I don't remember all the other crappy stuff that was going out at, at the same time in my life when I was playing that game. I only remember the good stuff about playing that game when I reminisce about it. And that's, that's kind of interesting how reminiscing works. It, it becomes easy to reminisce because it it just kind of like picks on all those good things, the reminiscing from that time. And so it makes it seem like, ah, it was such a simpler time. I was younger. I didn't have as much to worry about. It, it was just a great time is what it seems like, even though I'm sure it was 
basically the same <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's just that the concerns are different, um, the problems are different, and uh, the the joys are different. It's just uh, you know it it just seems simpler and and better in in uh, in that through that lens of nostalgia. I keep on like this whole conversation. I just keep on thinking like once we got to the point of like, you know, remembering the good stuff and all, I just keep on thinking like, this is why Everclear had success as a band is like their popular songs <laughs> were basically like either everything will be better. Everything will be okay. Or like, Hey, remember when things were good while things are bad right now. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like you, you, you just hit the nail on the head. Like, uh, when, when this was my era, this is actually a time in my life that I've mostly like, I don't remember a whole lot. I've blacked out a lot of, of what happened. We were, we'd moved out of state. My mom married a bipolar alcoholic. Uh, like life was not, not so good in a lot of ways. And I won't say it was all bad by any means, but like stuff was, was scary and chaotic and like unstable. And a couple, like the, the fond memories I have. Um, and I think, these separate from like real life so much because real life was so stressful. And these things were like the, the beacons of, of goodness. Like Tony Hawk was one playing final mm-hmm. fantasy seven was one. Like I have so much fondness for final fantasy seven, but because of life circumstances, it's not just that I invested the time. Cause I played final fantasy seven. Like I think I logged like a hundred hours on that game, which especially for them, like that was a lot of time on a game where there's there's not an infinite possibility of what to do like a lot of games have now. But I did mm-hmm. literally everything you could possibly do in Final Fantasy VII, except I could not find one materia that was lost in the snow. Like that's literally the only thing I didn't do. Uh, um, uh-huh. And you know, to talk about the quality of uh, of the remake, you can buy the original Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation Network and play it. And boy, is it rough. Because <laughs> it's not it's not remastered. It's the original game, and it is n- like it is completely unenjoyable to play. Uh, it's yeah. real rough. But they actually have the remake that is coming out as a multi part game. Like you know, each part is a whole game on its own. That at some point, like I'm going to wait for those until they um, they come down in price. But um, like that's probably going to be the thing that just makes me go like, oh man, it brings back all those good memories of playing that. Um, I actually remember walking to target to buy final fantasy seven as a greatest hits game for 20 bucks and walking back because, uh, my aunt was going to come pick me up and I was going to go stay the night at her house. And, um, so I, but I just like decided I got home from school and decided, Hey, I want to go get this before, you know? So I'm like trying to rush back before my aunt gets there and, um, it brings back those kind of memories that those are like so simple things like nowadays, something like that, like, Oh, I want to go buy a game. Like that's not going to be a memory that sticks with you at, you know, yeah. 37 to 40 ish years old. Those yeah, are just nothing. But like back then, like those things, those are special moments. Like, Hey, look at this effort I put in for something. And then I played that game for like a billion hours over the next couple of years, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just got, uh, the wife coming in asking for help with something. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe we wrap this one just a touch early. That sounds good. You know, I think, uh, I think we had a lot to say about one topic today. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think this is the first time we've only really stuck to one topic <laughs> through the entire show, which, which is cool though. I mean, we kind of meandered through it, which I like, but uh, it was all relative meandering though. It all related yeah, it was, to the topic. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we there was all the path was always in sight, <laughs> so we were never too far in the woods. So before we go, side note, and once again, this is why people should follow me on Twitter, so that way uh, you don't find out a month later. Um, the the Black Panther thing. Yeah. Get all those Black Panther comics, but also search for Shuri, Killmonger, Doom War, Final Fantasy number. I'm sorry, Final Fantasy, uh, Fantastic Four no. issue number fifty two. Uh, and there was one other one. I retweeted it, though, so check that out. But that's why everybody should follow us on Twitter, is when we find out cool stuff, we will definitely tweet it, because we want to share it with people. So I am on Twitter, at Who's Paul. You are on and Twitter. At Bad Deacon. And I also got all those Black Panther comics because of seeing you tweet at, about it. In fact, you tagged me, which was excellent, because that's the type of thing that I would easily miss, especially right now when I've got a, a lot of other things going on. That I picked up basically every Black Panther comic, which is awesome because now I've got yet more things that I'll probably never yeah. read. <laughs> you have more <laughs> emotional weight on your reading habit. Uh, did you pick yeah. up all the Scooby Doo ones that they had a while back? I sure did. Yeah. yeah. That was like, I think that was over 150 comics, and these Black Panther ones, was, it's over 250 comics. So, like, between those two things, I have over 400 free comics to read. And I love free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I what I was excited about is the uh, Christopher Priest run of Black Panther yeah. from around the turn of the millennium was all on there for free. And that's something that has been on my back burner to read. It's one of those that I always hear people talk about, oh, yeah, yeah, the Chris Priest run of Black Panther is really good. And uh, I've always wanted to check that one out. So now I have less barriers to checking that out. Which is great. I am right there with you. All right. Well, yeah. you go help the wife. I'll help myself to some more coffee. Oh, yeah. I might do both of those two things as well. So, <laughs> all right. Until cool. next time. Peace out. Peace out.